Moon Podcast Escalation! Everybody, my name's Jordan D. White. And I'm Chris Sims. And this is Sailor Business. Uh, that's right. This is the podcast where we are going to watch every single episode of the classic 1992 Sailor Moon anime, break it down for you, and have a good time while we do it. Uh, for this week's episode, where we are going to be watching The Mysterious Sleeping Sickness, Protect the Girls in Love, which is episode three of the Sailor Moon anime, which you can find on Hulu if you'd like to watch along. We are joined by a special guest returning from her first appearance last week. Juliet Kahn, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, we talked about how you got into Sailor Moon uh, last week, so if anyone wants to hear that, they can go back to last week's episode, uh, where we had a really good time talking about the fashion senses of uh, Motoki (laughs) and Umino. Uh, But Juliet, do you have anything to add this week? Has anything changed (laughs) (laughs) about your love of Sailor Moon? Uh, I don't think so um i did watch the newest episode of crystal today and it is so weird jumping from that era that that style back to 1992 it is it is just so bizarre the colors are so much like deeper and more saturated in 1992 like haruna just randomly has like a like really light kind of cinnamon hair so watching this episode in which she's so central is really nice actually like i forgot that luna is not actually like a bright purple and that usagi's mom's hair is not actually lavender oh yeah my, have, my wife and i got into a big fight choice. over what color luna was because she would go she's purple and i'm like no luna's not purple luna's a black cat uh, i see luna's black cat yeah they, they well in fact they do say it at the beginning of every episode she goes this black cat came up to me they just color her purple i don't know because it looks neat well, it's the I same guess. reason nightcrawler is blue and superman's hair is highlighted in blue why wait is, you're saying nightcrawler's not blue i think nightcrawler's blue well, no, Nightcrawler eventually became blue, but I mean, Jordan, you should know this. Like, the original designs of Nightcrawler was supposed to be black. Really? Uh, I know yeah, Beast was supposed to be black. I didn't know Nightcrawler was, too. You can't make a solid black figure right. in comics in 1975. Right, like Venom Wait, as Beast well. Beast supposed to be black? I didn't know Beast was supposed to be black. Yeah, Beast was, well, yeah, because Beast and, and his fur was originally colored gray, and then eventually, and they called him black, and then eventually they started coloring him blue and then eventually they started calling him blue so same thing welcome to x-men color business the (laughs) podcast where we look at the color palettes of all the x-men and break them down for you uh well since you brought it up juliet uh i guess this would be a really good place to talk about crystal for a minute um we are very lucky right now to be in a incredible sailor moon renaissance uh there you know the manga was recently re-released a couple years ago in its entirety. Uh, The 92 anime is going up two episodes a week on Hulu, which is the way that we are watching it now. Uh, Jordan and I both, for the first time, watching the uh, Japanese version of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the action figures that are coming out. And most central to the the whole renaissance is that there's a new animated series called Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Crystal, which is uh, based very tightly on the anime now uh juliet you were watching it today i have not watched the newest episode but i am otherwise caught up on the first uh what is it three four uh, yeah i've watched three. three so there's a fourth one out today i guess i didn't realize it just came out this morning okay uh so what is your what, what, what's your take on crystal i'm really enjoying crystal um i know that it's i don't want to say controversial but there's a lot of different <laughs> thoughts and opinions flying around um especially you know, in regards to the animation the animation like it is just bad in certain points. It's actually, it, I think it hit a real low in episode three. In episode four, it it is better in so much as it doesn't have the like really obvious, terrible, like off-model moments. But um, but for me, I have a lot of friends that feel very betrayed by this who are like, oh my God, I was expecting like, you know, the quality of like the Evangelion rebuild movies or something. And for me, like, I'm a little disappointed, but I also don't care because I've seen Sailor Moon adapted so many times that I'm just having a good time experiencing it again. It's weird because it is, it is so close to the manga. Like, 
it is it, it, it's it's almost exact. It's like the manga was a storyboard. And part of me is like, you know, if I want to go back and re- like read the manga, I'll just reread the manga. But I'm having a lot of fun seeing, you know, the new transformation sequences and hearing the new voices and just kind of re-experiencing the story. I, I would say I feel very similarly. Uh, I mean, I because I because I just enjoy Sailor Moon so much, I'll I'll give a shot to any version of Sailor Moon. But I but I also feel the same about the manga. I have not. I've read a lot of the manga, but I never ended up finishing it just because I ended up with so much other stuff to read. And I sort of ended up uh, now feel like I'll watch Sailor Moon Crystal and then I won't have to read the manga <laughs> because I tend. <laughs> you really, you really can do that. Because I, yeah, I tend to if if the manga and the anime are exactly the same. Like I, I read Death Note, and then at some point I started watching the Death Note manga and I, or anime, and I was like, this is like the exact same thing. I, I don't need to watch this. I already read the the book. So mm-hmm. uh, I am more forgiving of. Uh, Crystal's animation style, which I do think is is not great. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of not great in in Crystal's animation. Uh, Luna is actually pretty bad looking. She's yeah. really proportioned. Uh, the scouts' eyes seem to float around their faces in weird ways. But I'm a little more forgiving of that because I I see what they're trying to do, which is they're they're doing a very very strict adaptation of the manga. And which means they're doing a very strict visual adaptation of Naoko Takeuchi's original style, right. which is uh, much. If you're if you're only familiar with it from the '92 anime, go take a look because it is much uh, wispier and and more elongated, and that doesn't translate as well. Uh, yeah. The problem with Crystal is that we have already seen how they change Sailor Moon to fit animation better. Yeah, and they did it for two hundred episodes, and it's amazing. <laughs> right? It's weird because um, I I go back and I I you know was rewatching these episodes for the podcast, and like for me, I I love Takeuchi's art. Like for me, I know um I know this is this is the exact opposite of how you feel, Chris, when you uh, wrote about the first episode of Crystal. But the manga is my favorite version of Sailor Moon, like forever and ever. And um and a big part of the reason is Takeuchi's art. And what I find interesting is that the look of the nineteen ninety two anime. It, it looks dated, like I love it to death, but it, it does not look like something that came out today. Whereas the art in the manga, it doesn't really look like anything else that came out in that era, and it doesn't really look like anything else that came out today. Like, it it's in some ways very 90s and that like the eyes were sort of huge and rounded and I feel like people tend to go for like slightly more angular eyes now for whatever reason but like Takeuchi was really very weird and very unique in her style especially as the manga went on like by the time you get to the last volume her work is like incredibly impressionistic and like very very loose like there were a lot of times where you know she would barely draw a character skirt she would just draw like you know a, a squiggle to sort of suggest the movement of the fabric and i really loved that and it was totally ridiculous and stylized like everybody had these ridiculous like long praying mantis bodies and like hair that should have been like dragging on the floor but i really loved it and it captured a certain feeling really well so i look at crystal and i i know what they're trying to do and i know that they're trying to capture that feeling i just feel like if you were really going to successfully translate takeuchi style to animation you'd need like at least triple that budget it'd have to look like um like what we've seen of studio ghibli's new like uh their their kaguya movie coming out and it has this very like wispy um like loose dreamy kind of style i feel like you would have to go with something like that and i don't know how i don't know how marketable it would be but it's it's interesting because at first i was like i was very angry about crystal and now it like it all dissipated I'm, I'm, it, it is what it is, and I accept it for what it is, and it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's very interesting to compare to every version of Sailor Moon that has come before. Yeah, I think the, the problem is that because it, because, like you said, in order to translate it, they would need three times the budget. Mm-hmm. The problem is that no matter how much money they're actually spending on it, it looks cheap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I, you know, even if it's not, like I'm sure, th- I'm sure that they're putting a lot of effort into Sailor Moon Crystal, but it ends up kind of looking cheap, which is a shame. Uh, I will say the two things that I think Crystal has done very, very well. Uh, I like the transformation sequences a lot. Yeah, me too. Uh, even though they have that that weird mix of uh, CGI thrown in, and that theme song. Is <laughs> I love that theme song. The oh my bomb. god. Uh, I like I have it. Like it is, it is one of like I put that on my San Diego Comic Con pump up playlist because <laughs> it is just like wailing guitars and synth and like and we don't we don't need men <laughs> to rescue us. We're gonna we're gonna wreck this. 
It's awesome. I it's listened to it, like Moon Pride. I had a few friends that were like, "Oh, I don't really know," and I was like that until I listened to it for a second time, and I was just completely hooked. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I can't remember uh, the end theme. What's the end theme like? It's like an end theme of an anime, like the <laughs> yeah. kind of slow, sweet romantic. romance one. Yeah. I mean, because again, like having seen the the original anime so many times, like all the different end themes, I pretty much have them memorized. And not the words, because I don't speak Japanese, but the melodies. Like I can be like, oh uh, yeah, I know this one. I can't remember the end theme of the of, of Crystal. Oh well, I'm sure I got used to it. Uh, everybody should also go and check out the church's cover of "I Would Die for You," uh, which sounds exactly like the uh, theme of a '90s anime, as Joe Hunter <laughs> pointed out. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's, uh, that's enough about Crystal and enough about churches <laughs> and covers of Prince songs. Okay. Uh, let's dive right in to this week's episode. Please. Uh, which is, what was that What was that title again? Oh, M- Mysterious Sleeping Sickness? Yeah, yeah, you had it. I don't know remember. <laughs> the Mysterious Sleeping Sickness, colon, protect the girls in love. The American version was called Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> No, so no. This, was this the was this the second episode of the American yes. version of the show? Yes, it's the second episode of the American dub. Uh, I rewatched uh, most of the American dub uh, before we recorded because I, I ran out of time. Uh, I will say you you talked about previous episode being your your favorite episode. This is one of my favorite episodes. I remember I, I remember it fondly for a long long time, and having just rewatched one and a half versions of it, it 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 holds up to my memory. I I, I adore it. It's very silly. Uh, but it's pretty great. So I'm very excited for it. Now, this is when, now again, it starts with a little preview of the episode. Right. Which, well, if you don't know, um, this is a show about Yusagi Tsugino. She's 14 years old. She's a cancer <laughs> and her blood type is O. Yes. Her birthstone <laughs> is a pearl. She's a bit of a klutz. True. <laughs> and I love that. I love that opening because it's in all the episodes uh, up until uh, Amy and Ray show up. And I, I just love the, uh, the, the, the weird fourth wall breaking uh, accompanied with shots of Usagi falling on her face and crying. <laughs> uh, it's, it's delightful. And, but, and then it gives you a preview of the episode saying, here's what's going to happen. And it talks about uh, how it's wrong to step on, to trample on uh, young girls' hearts, even if they are silly with spring fever. <laughs> which I thought was a very funny phrase. Uh, girls silly with spring fever are writing into a radio show. Right. So uh, we open in the dark kingdom with uh, Queen Beryl, who is, she is working that crystal ball. Yeah. What is she doing? Which she will continue to do like, she's going to give herself carpal tunnel. She's like, I feel si- bad. She's sitting there going, yeah, J- Jedi, I need you to get me energy and I got to keep stirring it. Like if I let it settle, <laughs> it'll be no use to us. Yeah. She she is just sitting there working that crystal ball for at least twenty six episodes. Oh yeah, like, that's because that's as far as we are in the Hulu uploads so far. The other question I had about Beryl, and actually I, this was even more relevant in the previous episode, but who are the like million people standing around looking at her? <laughs> I was ha- wondering that too, watching yeah. this because I mean. I don't think they exist in the manga. I think they're just sort of like background texture added for the anime. But yeah, who are they? And they, well, it doesn't really make sense for Beryl to just be sitting in a room alone oh. if she is the queen of a dark kingdom. So I always assumed all the characters in the background were all of her monsters. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah. like a million of them and they don't do anything. Although, again, in this episode, they literally don't do anything. In episode in the previous episode, we didn't mention, but they, they do a call and answer with her where she's like... I, I don't even remember what she said. Like, yeah, we're doing bad stuff. And they're like, yes, we are. Like, in unison. <laughs> well, no, is this a... Uh, I, I think I mentioned Common uh, Rider in yep. the first episode of the show, where we were talking about uh, how, like, one of the things about Common Rider is that they, they at least try to acknowledge that stuff is going on in other countries besides Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did talk uh, about Like, yeah. there are... There are shocker agents in Europe and in America that are also being, you know, doing evil plots where presumably other superheroes are stopping them. So is there I, I know that there's a I think it's mentioned in the manga actually that uh that uh Jedi is in charge of the Japanese operations for the Dark Kingdom. And but I just, can't find that. I'm actually flipping through it right and he now. He just coincidentally focuses on the Juban district of Tokyo. <laughs> right, like on <laughs> Usagi's neighborhood. Like I feel like there are presumably there are other monsters doing energy stealing scams all over the world which 
who is stopping them? Like, like is, well, how much that, energy is Queen Beryl getting from America? I think it's mentioned somewhere. I cannot remember where. I think in, in the manga. And I think the, like, Tokyo Pop slash mixed translation cut this out. But, like, Kunzai, I think, is supposed to be in charge of the Middle East. And Whoa. I think maybe it's Nephrite who does North America, and I can't remember what Zoisite does. But they're supposed to be, like, totally, you know, the four generals of the world. And they just each, you know, have a different area, I guess. But it's never really brought in. It's, like, just something that's mentioned once in their title and totally disappears afterwards. Well, and, and, it's actually, I found it. It's in uh, Chapter 3 of the manga, which is where uh, Ray first shows up. That She does refer to Jedi as the Far East Commander. So then maybe it'll yeah, come Yeah, there we go. But, I mean, again, that, 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 it's one of those things we cannot think about because as soon as we do, the whole thing is totally stupid. Right. The, the structure yeah. of the negaverse does not really work. Because like, I, I've put a lot of, like, way too much thought into the Dark Kingdom and Queen Barrel and everything. And I like doing it because I... I totally take the pressure off myself in trying to make it like at all a feasible thing. But we know like we know like a teeny tiny bit more about like Beryl and the Dark Kingdom in the manga. And like to I, I there's only so much I can say to avoid spoilers, but like, you know, a little bit more about her, you know, a little bit more about like why she did what she did. And I, I remember when I was younger, I tried to like work up a, a way that it all made sense. I think I used to write reason that like all the people in the background were like the reincarnation of the people of Earth that died during the war a thousand years ago, oh, which only yeah. makes so much sense. But like, wait, was it only like, a thousand years ago? Yes. <laughs> we we, no, wait, we it, have it records of a thousand years ago. It, it was probably longer ago than that. It might have been 2000. I can't remember what the exact number was, but I know that it was, it was, I think it was 1000. It wasn't any more than like 3000, I don't think. I'm, I'm but there was, it no, it's, it's, it's totally like smack dab in, you know, the middle of actual human civilization. So I guess make of that what you will. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I always, when I was younger, I used to think about like, oh, you know, Sailor Moon has all these names taken, you know, from mythology and, and gemology and astronomy. Like, I guess in the Sailor Moon universe, uh, you know, myths like uh, the myth, the Greek myth of uh, Selene and Endymion just exist because that was a real thing that was happening between the moon and the world. I don't know. Again, if you try to think about it too hard, it totally falls apart. But like, <laughs> I legitimately like try to put a lot of thought into the Dark Kingdom and Queen Beryl and her commanders and like how any of it fits together because it, it's kind of fun. You know, it's I don't really write fan fiction anymore, but uh, I care enough to think about the structure of Queen Beryl's monarchy. All right, you just said the word anymore, which means we are going to come back to that later. <laughs> uh, for right uh, now, uh, Queen Beryl is like, yo, I need some energy. Jedi's like, hey, don't sweat it. I got this new jam I'm working on, uh, which turns out to be a radio show. And uh, we cut to this radio show, which is wildly popular. Uh, I would say for good reason, because who doesn't want to tune in at midnight and hear someone reading love letters from random people? <laughs> out loud well, the show is called midnight zero right uh i believe so yes and this is actually a weird thing like i i guess that this is a thing that is is popular in japan like like writing letters to to radio shows because i well i and i say that only because i've seen it crop up on multiple anime oh. uh series multiple common writer series and and uh tokusatsu shows where uh there is like everybody's very excited about getting their letter read on the radio like even uh i I think it's there's an episode of common writer forze about it which uh was in 2011 (laughs) i think all they did was change it so that he was broadcast like live streaming on the internet so they're all listening to why that would be popular at all it's uh usagi we see usagi listening we see nara listening and as her letter is read on the air we hear we see uh, mrs haruna listening and we see Miss Haruna listening in, and, and again, we talked about it last week, that Miss Haruna barely seems like less of a teenager than the kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is spazzing out. Yeah, she is doing this she, crazy dance. She is uh, in her room where she has a poster on the wall, which I think is hilarious, mm. uh, wearing the weirdest like sweatshirt uh, <laughs> and just doing a really happy dance. Uh, Haruna the Dreamer, as her letter is read, uh on the radio and <laughs> Yusagi thinks that it, it is uh, really weird that this uh, person has the same name as her teacher. And uh, 
what uh so then they so they listen to this this thing and they're all just talking about how romantic it is now i do want to uh, one of the things i i do like to bring up is because because i have been sort of trying to rewatch the the dub as well some of the things that they changed uh well first of all i want to point out that in the dub uh the show is called love line so i was like that's pretty funny that they're listening to Loveline. Um, but also, uh, they changed it so that instead of uh, Serena going, as Yusagi does, oh my God, that's so romantic. I want to write a letter and, and experience romance and things like that. She's going, I want to be a DJ reading letters like this. I was like, <laughs> why would they make that change? That's such a strange change for them to make. Again, I wonder if that's like a, a broadcast standards and practices thing where they were like... Like, look, you, you can't have this. You can't have this fourteen-year-old girl writing love letters. It's to just romance. She and she still tries to write a letter later in the episode. She fails, but it, like just How being like you? that sounds romantic. And pre- I don't know, man. I don't she get it. Fails. Well, she doesn't do it. She thinks for a moment and balances a pencil on her lip and then doesn't write it. <laughs> uh, so eventually, Yusagi uh, goes to sleep, and folks. First appearance, episode three, Toast in the Mouth. <laughs> uh, but not from Usagi, from Usagi's dad, from Mr. Tsukino, mm-hmm. uh, who is fed the toast by Mrs. Tsukino uh, as they're like weirdly flirting with each other over breakfast. Hey, man, they, they just have a healthy marriage. Well, and then they're like, it, it doesn't even read like flirting. It just reads like because... Uh, Isagi's mom was just like, oh, you need to eat a healthy breakfast because we're counting on you to bring home money for the family. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Not only that, they're flirting o- about the topic of, like, comas, weird comas popping up. <laughs> but, then, but then, like, she puts the toast in his mouth and then their eyes get really wide and they go, oh, I didn't know Yusagi was home. <laughs> like, like oh. guys, you're not doing anything. I mean, you're doing something weird, but you're not doing anything shameful. <laughs> not now. Uh, Usagi's home. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Usagi runs to school. No toast in her mouth. Uh, I think she grabs she a, there p- a late, piece of toast, of but we don't see it. Uh, but Miss Haruna, she gets there before Miss Haruna, who who comes into the class all droopily and uh, slowly in her one outfit. In her one outfit, but she has this uh, flower. Oh, we forgot to mention that they did mention on the radio. If we choose your letter, then we're going to send you a special flower thing that you can wear that will suck your energy. They didn't say that part, but that's what happens. So, uh, so obviously, again, it's only the second episode of the show in the dub. It's only the third episode of the show in the uh, original Japanese version. We know what's going on here. We got it. <laughs> The, the, yeah, the flower is sucking up uh, Haruna's energy and is going to eventually put her in a coma. Uh, Haruna has been the victim of two of these sinister plots in a roundabout sort of well, way. Well, yeah, in a roundabout way. Did she buy any jewelry? No. In the first episode? No, no. No, we really had a focus on, we had a Naro in danger, then we had Umino in danger, now we got Haruna in danger. It's, we're hitting everybody. Yeah, like, Usagi, who do you think is more dangerous to be around, uh, Usagi or Peter Parker? <laughs> <laughs> oh god probably well you're 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 slightly more likely to die if it's peter parker i, I think fewer people it's die true. in this show you haven't seen the episode where molly gets thrown off a bridge <laughs> that was that was in the dub only i think <laughs> uh so yeah so as as chris said she does in fact keel over and fall asleep right there in the classroom the teacher i should say and everybody has a nice laugh about that <laughs> and uh, oh cut two Luna walking down the street going, oh, you saw he sucks. She doesn't listen to me ever. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, she's walking by the arcade. The arcade opens up. She spazzes out in fear that Motoki has heard her talking. No, Motoki didn't hear that. Motoki just wants to pet a cute cat and is like, oh, you must be Luna. You've been hanging around with uh, Isagi. I'll get you some milk. She doesn't. Get, he doesn't. She doesn't get milk because a ambulance goes by and we find out it's an ambulance going to pick up the teacher who refuses to wake up uh you, you skipped over i think one of Did my favorite something? parts of this oh, episode geez. which is that uh uh andrew is or matoki is very nice to luna uh and goes to get her a a saucer of milk and luna gets starry-eyed that's true <laughs> luna has which, a total crush on him too yeah yeah again i found out that luna is like a a, a person not just a cat, like last week. 
So before that, I was like, oh, I guess this, I guess this cat has a crush on this uh, college boy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Luna has a whole uh, in in the. I think the second movie? Yeah, the second movie uh, for Sailor Moon F's, I think it's called Hearts and Ice. Luna has a whole big dramatic romantic plot with another dude. A similarly blonde dude. Oh. But, uh, but oh yeah, no, you have that ahead of you. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, there's also a really good bit of animation when uh, Luna goes to check out the uh, ambulance and she kind of slinks underneath the uh, guardrail that's on the curb. Like, it's yeah. really... There's really, really nice animation in this episode. Let me just put uh, in I, another another let me put an actual positive note about the uh, the dub. I actually think the dub does a real nice job in this episode. Not if you like them being true to the original episode because they very consistently will go we're just going to kind of do our own thing. That being said, uh, line for line, I mean, anyway, they just have them say whatever they want. The plot's still the same, but they did a good job. Like they came up with some fun lines. So this scene that we're talking about is different in that uh, they end up using it. Well, first of all, they had no previous episodes, so we've never seen Matoki slash Andrew before. So they use this to introduce Andrew. So they give Luna lines about, oh, this is that Andrew boy that Serena is always talking about having a crush on or something like that. And they also talk about, uh, Luna going, oh, this is, this is, our, this arcade is, is close to the school. This would be a very good base of operations for us to do to, which is all stuff that will happen in the show. And I, I think they did a good job. It, like I said, the, the scene is nothing like it is in the original version, but it but it plays well, and they it has some good writing in general. Uh, but right after that, we get Usagi saying, "I'm going to say the dumbest thing <laughs> she has ever said." <laughs> yep, please uh, tell I, us. I, I cannot think of a a worse thing that uh, Usagi has ever said, which is they are hauling off. Uh, uh, Haruna into the ambulance and everybody is concerned because she is she has essentially fallen into a coma uh, she now Haruna it should be noted is very comedically snoring on the yeah. stretcher as they haul her in but everybody's very very worried and Yusagi talks about how she is jealous of the comatose <laughs> because they get to spend their lives sleeping and dreaming sweetie that is not how it works <laughs> Serena that's not how it works <laughs> oh, Serena! <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say like that's like that. That goes that like I am willing to write it off as uh, Usagi being uh, a bit of a ditz, which is uh, certainly how her uh, classmates react. But she is so cheerful about it that it almost like verges over into yeah, you're a horrible person, you know. Oh well. <laughs> So uh, from there, we go back to the uh, the radio station where we find out that everything is super popular uh, with Midnight Zero. They're getting stacks on stacks on stacks of letters uh, that they're going to read on the air except, and thereby uh, destroy everyone. Well, they're getting stacks and stacks of letters, except that doesn't make sense because it's a program that doesn't even exist. The, the, the higher ups at the, at the radio station have never even heard of this show. They don't listen to their own radio. I guess they don't. I mean, later we will find out that the way that they're doing a show that doesn't exist is by putting all the engineers who are supposed to be on duty to sleep and the regularly, apparently the regularly scheduled guy who'd be talking on the air to sleep. But yeah, apparently the higher ups weren't going, let's see if that show's on. Uh, nope. <laughs> it's something else. Uh, oh, well, I don't know. Very weird. Irresponsible radio broadcasting. That's what I say. <laughs> so uh then oh memory shows up again uh usagi bumps into him so hard that she falls down and then uh apologizes to a telephone pole yeah that was a Which really is, weird scene uh yeah and he makes fun of her for it for, for like apologizing to a thing that is slightly next to him <laughs> instead of directly to him <laughs> Because memory is a memory is a jerk. Kind of. It's, it's funny, like to watch this because I was really not into them as a couple when I first watched it as a kid. I mean, I didn't like actively dislike them, but I was never into the whole like "ha ha, we're bickering" because we're so in love sort of thing. But I was really into them in the manga. So now that you know Crystal is following the manga and thus that version of the relationship more, it is really interesting for me to go back and watch this and be like, "Wow, Mamoru is just sort of a dick." And it's also weird because he's supposed to be, and again, this is the only version in which this is the case, but this is the one where they age him up to be in college. So I'm looking at this and I'm being like, Mamoru, you're like 22. Why are you <laughs> taking such joy in being an asshole to a 14-year-old? Uh, but don't worry, because Naru's there, and, uh, oh, Serena, he's so gorgeous. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, she's not gorgeous. He's not gorgeous. He's a jerk. 
they they uh, in fact in in the again in the english dub uh molly goes so far as to say now she knows who she's gonna write her her letter about which is weird because mm-hmm. uh she just saw this guy be a complete jerk <laughs> to her friend yeah. and then her friend say yeah that's that guy that i keep running into who's always a jerk to me. <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting because um, the director of the anime, uh, Ikuhara, who also did Revolutionary Girl Utena and Moaro Penguin Drum, um, I don't know the exact specifics of it, but there's a lot of interesting like rumors that have come out in like the last you know like 20 years about changes he made to Mamoru specifically in the anime that really didn't sit well with Takeuchi. Like I can't remember anything specifically, but like she really didn't like that Ikuhara decided to age him up and just in general sort of changed the tone of the relationship and that. In the anime, he's more of a chick magnet. Like, you know, there's this whole thing where... I mean, they changed Ray's personality a lot, but in the anime, she has a big crush on Mamoru. Whereas in the manga, she, like, really doesn't like any men. Like, it's her big, you know, character trait that she doesn't like men, she doesn't trust men, you know, it's this big thing. Um, And then just in general, she's a much more cool and aloof character in, in the manga. But in the anime, like, they changed it to have a lot more women interested in Mamoru and make him, like, a little bit more jerky towards people and like you know of course they threw in the rose thing which he doesn't do at all in the manga and Wait, it's, it's he doesn't throw roses no in the manga he totally doesn't i, I guess which, that was so ingrained in me because i forgot that's a thing that really really works in anime yeah, yeah. Uh, it really works in animation more than it would work static on the page like there would just be a rose blooming from someone's <laughs> yeah. tape. in the manga like he just he shows up during certain moments in the plot where he's also looking for the things they're looking at he's just sort of this like mysterious guy leading a parallel like search in in the first arc and then of course they figure out who he is later on but um but it's it's really interesting to see like because I've, I've been so immersed in the manga for so long and i haven't watched the anime in so long like that everybody's like oh mamaru you're such a babe and especially knowing that like Takeuchi was not totally cool with a lot of these changes. It's, it's it's interesting to see what Ikuhara did, especially because Ikuhara is like very known as like, oh, he does all the like really, you know, kind of feminist anime and like, Utena is, you know, it's its whole thing and Penguin Jump I'm not as familiar with, but uh, but he totally chose explicitly to make Mamoru like kind of I don't know, like like the weird I don't want to say like Judd Apatow character, but like he's the one who's he's the one who's a huge jerk to people, and yet everybody's like, "Wow, you're such a babe!" And he has you well, know, you know the what? bakery romance with the female lead, and it's like I look at it and it's like, "Wow, no wonder I wasn't incredibly into this as a kid." Like I don't hate him, I just I so vastly prefer everything about him in the manga and now in Crystal. I this wonder, guy's just sort of this weird anomaly. I wonder, since you mentioned, though, that, that he, he's thought of as doing a lot of feminist things, I wonder if he was trying to do, like, a reverse thing in the sense that if it was a story about a bunch of, uh, a bunch of guys, the girl who would be the love interest would, be, would have to be a girl who everybody so loves. So it's it's true. It's true. It's I, I really don't know. It's interesting because um, I know a lot of the like the like talk and the rumors about him are in Japanese, which, you know, I don't know. So <laughs> there's only so much I can speak to this. But it's I know that there's been a lot of controversy over the changes he made to him specifically. And I, I really don't know why, but it's very interesting to revisit. Huh. I do feel like there is a practical purpose to that, though. Yeah. Uh, which is that uh, I, I, I would say... um. Again, and again, I like Naoko Takeuchi's art style, uh, even if the manga is kind of my least favorite uh, iteration of Sailor Moon. Uh, I, I like the art style, but everybody kind of, you know, th- there is there's one body type. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's true. There's, there's, not even like, there's not even like a male and female body type. There's like, everybody is 12 feet tall and weighs 70 pounds. <laughs> They're very wispy and thin and, and willowy. Uh, and with the simplification of the, uh, of the anime... There are a lot of, you know, there's a very similar look for a lot of the characters. Like, a, a lot of the uh, the Negaverse monsters, the Dark Kingdom monsters, uh, in their human forms, have that very, you know, sharp, smirky face. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Usagi and uh, Minako look exactly alike, like they're supposed to. But yep. uh, Memoru and uh, Motoki are the Betty and Veronica of this show. Yeah, like, they are <laughs> so the, true. They are the same... They're the same person with one is blonde and one has black hair. Uh, so I feel like that's a a practical purpose through dialogue to be like, no, no, no. Yusagi's got a crush on Motoki, uh, but like Mamoru is legitimately beautiful. Like Mamoru is yeah. a legitimately like like he is the handsome prince 
of the show. Like, whereas, you know, Motoki's probably, like, a good-looking guy, but, you know, Memoru is, is you know, a moon prince. Well, so, technically an earth prince, but whatever. Oh, it's, right. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm a sorry. prince of a moon kingdom. So, uh, so just, Yusagi just, goes back to her room to write this letter, and I love the sequence of her doing stretches. Oh, yeah. Prepping. Before she sits down to write a letter, because uh, I do that. Like, no, <laughs> I do. No, I do the same thing that Yusagi does. Like I do a little, you know, little physical activity to get the uh, the 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 brain going, <laughs> and then I will just sit there and like not write. <laughs> she balances a pen, a pencil on her uh, lip, which is super funny and cute. So, it, and again, like this episode, the little incidental animation is so good. Mm-hmm. Like I love. That she she does the stretches and then balances the pencil on her lip, like because it's such a kid thing to do, and it's like it's a really nice touch that didn't have to be in there. Then she gets another one for really stupid ideas, which is oh, rather than writing this letter, uh, or rather, since I don't know how to write this letter, I will go to the place where they record the love line. Uh, love line. I'm sorry, where they record Midnight Zero and ask the DJ how to write a letter properly. Uh, oh, and by DJ the way, Jay Dato. Yes, Jay. <laughs> yes, uh, I'll ask him to do it. How to do it? So she goes to the to this place where they go. There's no show called that here. Again, this guard. He's technically right, but like everybody's talking about. Like, have you not heard any of this? No. I feel okay. like she could turn on a radio. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I yeah. listen? Everyone, like, stop a random woman apparently, and they'd go, "Yeah, I listen to it every night," um, because everybody seems to. Anyway, it doesn't exist. Let's do it in my purple sweatpants. <laughs> so she goes home, uh, and there at the stroke of midnight, it starts again. It's the midnight hour. Uh, and again, here's another line from the uh, American. It's the midnight hour, the time for love, which is not traditionally how I would think of it, but all right, there you go. And they listen to it, and uh, Naru gets her letter read. So the next day at school, Naru is there. She's got her little box with her special gift inside. They open it up. It's the sleep flower again. Um, it's kind of stupid that the on behalf of the entire world that no one realizes that every single person with this random coma has this flower on their chest and had a letter read on this program. Yeah, poli- police work does not seem to be the Juban district's strong point. <laughs> <laughs> so this knocks... Uh, Which is why they need middle school students to solve <laughs> right. all of their crimes. This knocks Naru out, but it also uh, gets uh, it hits Usagi as well, because she's uh, in the blast range. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, N- Naru lives the uh, the lonely life of a spinster, so there was no collateral damage. <laughs> so, Naru, the, the, uh, Haruna, the, the uh, uh, 22-year-old spinster. So then we get this... Spending her evenings writing letters to the radio. <laughs> To her future boyfriend. Um, then we get this great moment where, uh, this great dream sequence where uh, Yusagi meets up with Tuxedo Mask and asks him if he's her future boyfriend, which, of course, he says, yes, I, I actually am your future boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and she's super excited. And she goes, well, then you can take your mask off. And he goes, okay. Now, what I really wanted to happen, and this isn't what happened, but I, what I, so, because it's a dream, what I really badly wanted to happen was for him to take off the mask and be Motoki underneath. <laughs> I was like, that would have been so great. And cause she would have, cause that would have made sense. She's so she has a crush on. And she's like, Oh my God. But instead at the last second, uh, before he takes it off, Luna, Luna's face pops up and she wakes, wakes uh, Serena. Up. See, I remember thinking, um, when I was rewatching it, I thought, and this makes no sense in context, but I thought it was going to be, you know, a, a, a shock horror moment. Like he was going to take off the mask and like take off his face, but only because, <laughs> only because specifically. And this is this is something that I find really interesting now, uh, revisiting the manga and the anime. Takeuchi had such a love of drawing decaying corpses into oh. the manga, like specifically. And there's this one moment in the first arc, and it's it's way past this. It's like towards the end of it, but um. Usagi has a dream, and it's it's during the part where Mamoru has been brainwashed into serving Queen Beryl, um, and she has this dream, and it's it's okay. Well, you know, it's like I'm joking, years. I'm joking, but, um, I'm, joking. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to stay within the same season at least. But um, <laughs> but she has this dream, and it's like you know him pledging fealty to Queen Beryl, and you know Queen Beryl's like, yes, you're gonna go out and do my bidding, ah ha ha. And uh, and there's one moment where he he sits up and he like looks you know at the camera, so to speak, and. 
his face is this half-rotten skull, and his eyes are, like, shrunken in his sockets, and, like, the flesh is dripping off his teeth, and it, it horrified me as a kid. Like, that was one of those things where, when I knew the page was coming up, I had to close my eyes as I turned it, because it was really scary. And it pops up over and over again in the manga. Like, there are just a lot of dream sequences in particular, where, like, somebody has a horrible nightmare, and they imagine one of the characters as, like, a gross decaying corpse, and, like... There's, there's this weirdness with Saturn later on who has a very different story in the manga than she does the anime and there's a lot of that imagery and it totally came back and like punched me in the face unexpectedly watching this episode. Like I just had this moment of like, oh my god, oh it's gonna be gross and then it wasn't and I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't drawn by Takeuchi and her like weird random <laughs> love of body horror. But, um, but totally like semi-related though, I really love the colors used in the stream sequence in this episode. And I mm. forgot how much I loved like kind of soft, like palette of, of these early episodes in particular, where it's like all the like teals and the seafoam greens and the like cute rose pinks and some of the blues. It's all very like soft and adorable and kind of like sherberty. And I really like it. Uh, yeah. The uh, Takeuchi's monster designs are really, really good. Like they're yeah. really, really scary. Uh, and that's something that the the anime really tones down. We talked about this in the first episode. Like, I love the monster, the the Naru's mother monster in that first episode because it's terrifying. Like mm-hmm. the the head spins around, and you know, like her head turns all the way around, and like you said, it's this you know desiccated corpse person. Uh, and then you know you cut to like twenty five episodes later, and there's a angel boxer. Yeah, but, oh my god, I love and a, him. And a Swiss army knife monster. Like, it gets really, uh, it gets a really tokusatsu, uh, towards the end, or, or as, as the story goes on, they really yeah. tone down the scary monsters. And I wonder if that was a thing where, like, e- even, uh, even in Japan, where they can get away with a lot more in terms of, like, the, the horror stuff, uh, in kids' programming, uh, like, I wonder if they were like, hey, this is for tiny children. <laughs> like, maybe maybe you want to tone it down just a little bit. Uh, and they started, you know, by the time the rainbow crystals hit, they're just like weird Power Rangers monsters. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. in this first arc especially, there's a lot of, uh, and in the manga, there's a lot of, like, really scary designs uh, that do not last long in the show. It's interesting, especially because um, in the manga in particular a lot of, like, the really gross monster designs totally decrease over time. I mean, there's way fewer, like, monsters of the week in in the manga, of course. But um, a lot of the, like, final boss designs in the manga, without giving anything away, are very abstract. Like, a lot of them, like, you just never really see. And, like, even, like, uh, Queen Metallia in the manga, and I, well, it's kind of different in the anime, but, like, they're just, Takeuchi just sort of rendered them as these, like, vague, splotchy forms with, like, creepy monster eyes. And it's, it's interesting to look back in like the first season, and I mean, first off, remember that the anime had you know monsters of the week instead of just this long march towards the final boss. But um, right. but I think you're totally onto something there. Like later on, you had things you know like Boxy, where it's just like, haha, here I am to uh punch you, punch you into submission with my like weird angel wings and my green <laughs> or green or purple skin, and like you know, it, it's a lot of the monsters of the week ended up being these like weird cobbled together ideas. So it's like, oh, she's gonna be. Uh, like cat themed and also purple and have uh, polka dots. And this one is going to be like, you know, like the Swiss Army knife thing. And it's, I, I really wonder what went into that too, what went into that too, because where we are now in the anime, they're still like super gross and weird. Yeah. And it was, it was a strange change. Yeah. The, uh, the, the angel boxer monster is, is my favorite example of that. And we'll get to him when he shows up, but like it only half makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and again, we'll get to this in several weeks, but it's a, a priest who gets turned into a monster. And so you're like, okay, that's the that's the angel part. But then he also has like boxing gloves and trunks and like a championship belt that's also a bell <laughs> that he can ring oh, when it's right, time for right, action. Right. He's like, he's like, we will talk about him when we get to him, but he is super great. Uh, but for now, we're getting a lot of these. Uh, I, I do look forward to these abstract monsters. I really want to see uh, the Senshi fight a pile of cubes. <laughs> okay, it doesn't get really quite fun. to that. Yeah. So uh, Usagi is brought out of her coma mm-hmm. by Luna, uh, who says, in a great bit of detective work, I believe something nefarious is going on at that radio station. <laughs> it's true. She's right. So uh, it's time for Isagi to get her first new power. Yay! Woo! Uh, which is the uh, the transformation pen, which I love. 
Me too. Oh, yeah. Now, again, oh. first of all, let's just say, again, Luna poops this pen out. Like, it's there's, <laughs> it, it, I don't know where she's hiding them, but she does she her little. She backflips it into existence. Yes. Um, the Luna pen. Does she call it a transformation pen in the, in the Japanese one? I forget now. I, I, yeah, I think it's, well, is it? I, I'm not there yet in, uh, in rewatching it, uh, but I, I, I think she calls it the transformation pen. Okay, well, it's definitely the Luna Pen uh, in the dub, and so that is how I'll I think find out in a second. So you might have to do an edit. <laughs> no, no problem, no problem. Uh, I, I just love that they're all pens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives her school kids. It makes it makes perfect sense. <laughs> and it gives her cutie cutie honey powers is what it does. It it totally yes. rips off cutie honey's power, uh, and and I love it as well. Except that again, I think she uses it like five times in the entire series, and they're all in the next like. See in this season, like yeah, again, they really dropped off after the first season. Like I can't remember a time that it showed up after Queen Beryl, you know, died. Yeah, yeah, they just well, they just go, oh yeah, she can do that. To be in the defense of dropping it, Serena is usually terrible at using it. Well, no, <laughs> I, I think she's actually great at using it. What? And I will explain. Please, why. I will explain why. Um, and this goes back to the thing we talked about in the first episode with her uh, sonic assault weeping powers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think there's a really good metaphor play with the with the Luna Pen, which is that you know Usagi's a kid, and so when she transforms herself, she transforms herself into a kid's idea of things. Mm-hmm. Like uh, she trans like in this episode, in order to sneak into the uh, radio station, she specifically says, "Turn me into a gorgeous newscaster." Uh, and then turns it like basically she gets a haircut and a new dress. <laughs> like she otherwise looks the exact same. Uh, in future episodes, we're gonna see her. Uh, my favorite is when she turns into a flight attendant. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Uh, in order to save people on a bus, because a flight attendant's uh, responsibility is to make sure p- travelers get to their destination safely. So bad. It, no, that's amazing. Oh. I will fight you to my dying day because that is a it's a perfect kid's idea of what adult jobs are like. But, but again, I would say the the idea that she uses it like a child doesn't mean she should stop using it. Then let's have her no, use no, it responsibly well, I, later but, and be like, "Oh, that was a really good idea, actually." But I think there's a I think there's a reason for that because at this point, Usagi is Usagi's destiny has yet to be written at this point, right? Like we don't know she's Queen Serenity, uh, yeah, or 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 Queen Bunny Rabbit, whatever, <laughs> whatever the Japanese version is. Like I said, never got there. Um, <laughs> like we don't know that's her destiny. So at this point, I feel like she's you know Yusagi doesn't know what she wants to be when she grows up. At this point, like she's she's fourteen. She she she's fourteen and kind of scatterbrained, and she is not on a career path. So I feel like this is a really good metaphor for kids pretending to be what they want to be. Like she, you know, maybe I'll be a newscaster. Maybe I'll be a flight attendant. Maybe I'll be a a rock star. Like those are all things that she does. And I think it really works. So much like the the crying, like when she gets self-confidence and she, you know, becomes a little more comfortable in her role as a hero, she stops having the, the power to cry. Uh, when she gets closer to having that heroic destiny um, and, and knowing what she's going to be, uh, her desire to transform herself into other things goes away. Uh, I, 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 again, you have to reach for it. I'm not going to say that I'm not reaching, but like I, I think you can read it as a really, really cool metaphor for All growing right. up. Like a lot of the the good stuff in this show. I am totally with Chris on this. Like I, I mean, and I, I have literally been paid money to take Sailor Moon way, way too seriously, like <laughs> at multiple times at this point. But, um, but no, I, I like it because it is a very everything about the transformation pen is a really like cute kids fantasy element, and it totally does play into that. Like, you know, I'm gonna become like the kids like perfect idea of what a like cool rocker chick looks like or i think she transforms into a dude at one point in the manga i don't know if they brought it into the anime but um you know and she turns into like the perfect dashing prince and it, it's fun dress up and i really like it for the same reasons yeah it, it's it's the superhero version of playing dress up that i think you yeah. know goes away when she knows what she's going to be when she grows up well this one exactly. is going to is she as you said of course she's what she's going to be when she grows up is a princess in a beautiful wedding yeah. dress yeah. so <laughs> Uh, in this case, as you said, she turned into a gorgeous newscaster, and I just, again, want to point out that I think the only reason this works is because this radio station sucks. Because, again, yeah. if you if you are working security at a news, as a radio station, and a 
a gorgeous newscaster walks up, would you just go, she looks gorgeous, she looks like a newscaster, go on in. That's the thing that's really bad about it, is that she basically just transforms herself into an adult. There are no newscaster accessories. No, she doesn't have a press pass. She's wearing a business skirt. And she just walks in. And she literally just walks in. She she doesn't even transform into Sailor Moon before confronting the bad guys. She just walks in as a newscaster, breezes past the monster who's still disguised as a regular woman, gets on the mic, and starts newscasting, starts announcing. Uh, attention, everyone. Uh, the, the, the flowers that they're sending you out are incredibly dangerous. Uh, they will drain your energy and... Uh, you know, good night and good luck, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says. She says good night and good luck. She's also smoking a cigarette. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's totally, uh, it's totally true, though. Like I, I even noticed a little bit when I was a kid. Like, oh, she doesn't ever transform into somebody that has like the appropriate ID, or like, no. you know, there's no, there's no like mention of like, oh, also she's like exuding an aura that like convinces everybody that she's supposed to be there and i really love that for the same reasons that i love you know everything that chris just laid out about the pen it's like it's not so much it's almost about like oh she transforms herself into somebody who has the confidence to go through with this (laughs) it's like and it was to me as a little girl who really you know loved dress up and loved clothes like if you want to read too much into it or you know in in that sense if you want to take it that seriously it's like yeah the right outfit can totally make you feel like cool and in control and like go where you want to go and a lot of times you don't need like the magic or the glamour or whatever. You just needed to believe in yourself and, you know, go through and then people will believe that you belong there. And I, I like that. And I buy it and I think it's nice. Yeah, I, I also, I also think there's a little bit of uh, child's fantasy to it in that like when you're an adult, you can just do whatever you want. Exactly. Like, the adults the right make uniform. the rules. So, <laughs> and uh, this is skipping ahead in the episode a little bit, but I just want to take a second to think about this because here's what happens. If you live in Sailor Moon world and you're not Sailor Moon, here's what happens. You are in love with this radio show where they read love letters on the air. One night you're listening. <laughs> this random person gets on and goes, they're sending out dangerous, they're sending out dangerous flowers that are hazardous to your health uh, and they'll probably put you to sleep and stuff. The next morning you get up and you find like the newspaper says like the radio station was like blown to bits, like holes in the walls. And then by the end of the episode, everybody is like, oh, that show's over. Like nobody listens to that show anymore the next day. Well, yeah, because a because <laughs> a gorgeous newscaster. <laughs> I guess, came I on guess maybe the Luna power. The gorgeous news. That's what it is. I guess that's what it is. The Luna pen is even way more powerful than I'm imagining. And she says. Make me a gorgeous newscaster. It works. She is a newscaster. No one in the world would doubt she's a newscaster. She says things on the mic. Everybody goes, that's a newscaster. I believe it. <laughs> it checks out. <laughs> <laughs> totally works. So meanwhile, even though, as I said, they've already defeated the show by doing that newscasting, there's still actual monsters who are mad about it. Uh, so they all attack her and she transforms from a gorgeous newscaster into Sailor Moon. She does her, I mean, uh, from there, it's relatively, it's the straightforward, until she does Moon Tiara action. She throws the Moon Tiara, misses completely, the monster makes fun of her for missing, and then somehow she does Moon Tiara steering, where she's like, this way, please? And it, like, cuts back (laughs) and kills the monster. Like, apparently, it's remote control, which I had no idea about until now. Well, look, it's a Moon Tiara. Sure, sure. So you're gonna get that stuff. Uh, uh, the, this fight scene actually looks really good. Too. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, this is oh, like yeah. this is the first episode where I have noticed just like how good the animation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm I'm wondering if there were you know I know in uh, American shows like uh, that you can very clearly tell that there are different uh, places working on various episodes of like Batman the Animated Series because uh, you know. Uh, the, the man who killed Batman certainly doesn't look as good as it should. Uh, there's a lot of off-model Joker in that one. So I wonder if it's the same thing in, in Japan, where just, you know, they got the good animators working on this one. Well, in uh, whereas to... the, the, you know, re- uh, they got the really good animators working on this one. The good animators did the first two. In addition to good animation, there's also just a lot of good style. There's a lot of moments in this fight where it's not animated, where we get flashes of frozen moments but they're all really great like they're her making ridiculous expressions while giant blasts happen next to her and stuff like that uh it's a it's a great looking episode it really is and there's a lot of like it 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 
really transitions back and forth between like uh you know uh Usagi making a funny face and then like the really uh, close up on the really scary monster and they mm-hmm. come together it's like it's it's really good <laughs> like this is a really good show <laughs> uh so eventually uh she tries Mukiara steering mm-hmm. uh, uh takes out the uh actual monster who is a purple monster with uh claws and a green toga because why not and a, and like a a blacked out burst on her head for no reason she's like a her third eye was shot with a shotgun or something don't, don't like don't all the monsters have that isn't that like the dark kingdom symbol they all that, have that's one? pretty much it for the the first season i think because i know um later on in the second season they all have the upside down black crescent moon right and then uh actually i can't remember beyond that because then it gets weird with everything in s and super s but um but yeah i think the blacked out star is just the symbol for the first season if i'm remembering correctly all right so uh jadeite is there and uh usagi just goes like no prelude no jumping around on this one straight to the finisher uh throws moon moon tiara action at him he stops it in midair and she uh loses her her mind loses her sugar <laughs> as my friend danielle would say uh it is very upset that it is unfair that she cannot just instantly kill this man well i love it because i know personally that's the reaction i would have where it's like oh i'm just some random 14 year old it's not like luna has been like training me in deadly right. martial arts or anything it's like oh i have this thing and it's just the thing that works suddenly it doesn't work but that's the only thing that anybody told me about what am i supposed to do now luna yeah, Penn. It, it really does do a nice job of uh ramping up the scale as far as you know the uh the four kings of heaven mm-hmm. go because he like he just kind of casually stops it and then like casually makes a force field and there's a great shot of usagi like lip quivering uh like about <laughs> to start crying <laughs> because it won't work Aww. uh then what a rose <laughs> oh my goodness what could it be did, did the uh did tuxedo mask i know he gets the does he get the guitar riff in the dub but not in the subs. I don't think he gets it in the sub. Yeah, no the the dub the dub is the is the guitar in the in the uh, sub love. he has a little theme, but it's not it's not the little Spanish guitar theme. So he one. throws a rose. Uh, Jedi sees the rose and goes Meh, and leaves. I'm out of here. <laughs> and then Tuxedo Mask jumps off a building, going. <laughs> yes, he cackles <laughs> evilly. I I wrote that down. It was crazy. His weird laugh. So well, strange. Well, he says farewell until we meet again. Right. Dot, dot, dot. Which inspires uh, Usagi in, the, in the, uh, the closing to be writing a love letter to him when everybody else is like, uh, love letters are over. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. That's not a thing. That being said, we all want to read your love letter. So they steal it and they try to read it from her. Um, the end. That was a great. I really, I really like that episode. I think it's a really fun episode. A really yeah, ridiculous forgot, episode. Like, keep going. Uh, Keep oh, going. I was going to say, it's a really good one. Uh, lots of beautiful animation. A really fun plot. Uh, like, it, like, the thing about Sailor Moon, it's so formulaic uh, in these early episodes. Like, there's always, you know, the monster of the week. But because that formula is in place, and because we all kind of accept that formula very early on, a lot of the episode is not built around that formula. Right. Exactly. And we get, like, so much really good character stuff and so much really good interaction. And And again, I think this episode... Like the the best thing about this episode is how it uses that monster of the week plot to really flesh out the characters. Like uh, Haruna gets re- like is kind of in the spotlight in this one, uh, which is really fun because you know she's a very minor character. Uh, really great animation, just like a really really solid episode. See, I love hearing you guys like really embrace the format because I feel like you know my entire life as a fan of things has been butting heads with people who are like, no, this isn't relentlessly plot oriented and I don't care about it. Oh my God. I mean, filler can totally go too far, but like, I, I love that Sailor Moon is such a slow burn anime. And like, I was discussing it with some friends the other night, we were watching Legend of Korra, but like, that was something that a lot of fans had a problem with, um, in the, like the Avatar, the last airbender series and like parts of the, um, the DC animated universe where it'd be like, this episode was not like strictly devoted to the overarching plot. I hate it. This was useless. I love, I love that Sailor Moon and shows like this, you know, take the time to really have some fun with the characters. Like, it's like you said, they, they established the structure. If you accept the structure and you're on board with it, you get to have a lot of fun learning about these supporting characters and their world and how they interact. And I, I'm really happy that you guys were on board with that because I feel like I've spelt, like, spent my entire life as a Sailor Moon fan finding people who are like, I hate the filler. Oh my God, it's such garbage. Like, even though I, I do ultimately prefer the manga, I love how much 
how much time the anime takes like embroidering in the background and yeah. like having you know shots of like Haruna freaking out in her bedroom. It's just so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I that's... mean, yeah, I've watched all 850 episodes of the Power Rangers. So oh my I god! Am, like, I am down with a uh, formulated plots. Wow, that's impressive. It's really not. <laughs> They're on Netflix. <laughs> Anyone can do it if oh. they have the desire. But I don't think most people have the desire. That's what makes you unique here. <laughs> yeah, but no, like, and, and again, these are these are my favorite episodes. Uh, and, and again, like, I you know, there's vast chunks of Sailor Moon that I haven't seen, but these Sailor Moon is a starring character, uh, not necessarily in the ensemble is something that i really like and, and yeah. to be honest i'm the same way in uh with uh tokusatsu shows like ever since i started watching the japanese versions of the power rangers there will always be a couple episodes at the beginning where you know before like they'll usually go maybe two or three episodes before they get the the giant robot oh, so nice. you'll just have like you know you get to see them use their like actually use their weapons and use their finishers and uh, like I, I, I like that stuff because it makes it, 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 it lays out um, a little more believable path of escalation for mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Even if it's just like a couple episodes. Like, I, and again, this is episode three of Sailor Moon, and we're already getting someone who is immune to her finishing move, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be too much longer before we start getting the the rest of the senshi. Uh, but still, just taking a couple episodes to kind of establish things and, and let it breathe before you start that escalation, I think, really pays off for storytelling. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it feels like, I don't know, it just, it just matters more in that sense, because the stakes are, are established. You know that, you know, Usagi's protecting actual people that we've spent time with. And, you know, she exists in this world and, and as a silly little teenage girl. So it matters so much more when she, you know, overcomes her fears and, and becomes an adult and, you know, goes boldly into the rest of the series. I love that we spend so much time with her, you know, freeze framing while she falls on her face. Yeah, and, and there is a lot of development in these, too. Like, you know, oh, yeah. uh, that second episode was a very straightforward adventure. Like, nothing really changed for Sailor Moon. But we still got, you know, the the introduction of uh, Motoki. Uh, we, you know, uh, Umino and Naru and Haruno were fleshed out a little more. Yeah. In this one, we get the Luna pin. Like, things progress in each episode in a really, a really nice way. Like, a, a yeah. way that I really like. Well, and that's something that really drew me towards it when I was a kid. I mean, my my favorite thing about Sailor Moon is the cast and the friendship between them. And I'm just mm-hmm. totally ready for, like, the Senshi to be assembled. But um, but, but I loved just spending time in their world for a little bit when I was a kid. Because it felt really comfortable and, and, and warm and nice. And I loved the adventure aspects of it, too. Like, absolutely. But I just, I liked spending time with these people and being in their company. It was just nice. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So now it's time for uh, what we learned from this episode. So uh, I guess we're going to take some life lessons and find out what Sailor Moon says in uh, episode three, The Mysterious Sleeping Sickness, Protect the Girls in Love. Jordan, what did you learn from this episode? You know, what I learned, we, we sort of left it out, but it was mentioned, the, I think the lesson was stated clearly by Luna and then r- stolen by Sailor Moon, who, and then Luna got mad that she stole her line, which is that... Uh, love letters are pointless unless you're actually going to give them to the person you're writing them to. That's a pretty good lesson. That's true. Uh, Juliet, what did you learn? Uh, I'm going to sign on to that, too. And also, don't let people take advantage of you or make fun of you for being a silly teenage girl. You should just rock on enjoying that silly teenage girl life. People used to uh, make fun of me for being a silly teenage girl. So, <laughs> not uh, actually joking. <laughs> People made fun of me for being a teenage girl yeah. because I was 24 and writing on my blog about how much I like Totally Spies. So. Oh my god, you you should do a podcast about Totally Spies. That's our next podcast. Like in really? eight years when we're done with this one, we're going to do a complete review of Totally Spies. Oh my god. Please, I learned please that Please don't please don't be joking about that because that's such a good idea. I learned that uh, there are people in this world that you can trust and people in this world that you shouldn't trust but if you hear a gorgeous newscaster saying something <laughs> that's someone that you can rely on <laughs> yep. and that's what Sailor Moon says uh, this has been the third episode of uh, Sailor Moon and the third episode of Sailor Business uh, The Mysterious Sleeping Sickness Protect the Girls in Love what is the episode we will be doing next week it looks like uh, the fourth episode of Sailor Moon is called Learn How to Be Skinny from Usagi because Man, I've been looking at her the whole time going, how fat is she? <laughs> She's so cute. Uh, the only I'm thing fatter than our, this Yusagi is the version from the manga. 
I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, that this will be our most problematic episode <laughs> of the ones that have gone up so far. Uh, Juliet, I wish you could stick around for that one, too. We're going to have a, uh, a new guest for that episode. But thank you so much for, for joining us for these. Uh, please, where can we find you on, uh, on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Comics Alliance under my name, Juliet Kahn, K-A-H-N. Or you can find me on Twitter or Tumblr as Prinet, P-R-Y-N-N-E-T-T-E. And uh, Jordan, where can everybody find you? I'm up on Twitter as Crackshot with a zero for an O. And I, of course, am on Twitter at the ISB. That's T-H-E-I-S-B. B as in Bishoju Senshi Sailor Moon. Aww. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been uh, Sailor Business. So we will be back next week with another episode. And until then, keep your, keep mind, your mind on, on Sailor, Sailor Business. business. Sailor.